Join a book club chapter in your area or start your own by visiting us online and clicking on the book club link at the top. Don't forget to check out our monthly themed wallpaper created by graphics goddess Mandy C, which is always featured at the top of the page. This month we're talking about The Hate You Give. My name is Annie. I am your podcast recorder enthusiast and member of Forever Young Adult San Francisco. Hi, I'm Jenny. I run San Francisco Forever Young Adult the chapter and also write for FYA. And I'm Britt, also from SFFYA and contributor at foreveryoungadult.com. Yay! The Hate You Give. Some trigger warnings. This book examines in depth a police shooting of an unarmed black teen and the repercussions afterwards. Do one of you want to do the amuse bouche? Oh, so our amuse bouche, we've got Angie Thomas. This is her debut no- novel. At the time of the recording, it's been number one on the New York Times bestseller list for 29 weeks. It's probably more at this point. It's probably more like 31. Uh, You can find her on Twitter at AC Thomas. And in case you've been living under a rock, there is a movie in the works starring Amanda Stenberg, among other big names. I think Common, the rapper, is in there. Yep. (laughs) I do like Common. And... In my opinion, it's going to get the Prince, it's going to get the Morris, it's going to get every award, pretty much. It's just that good. It is. I recently started following Angie Thomas on Twitter, and she tweeted today the picture of the three main characters. Yes. (sighs) In the lockers. In the lockers. Oh. So exciting. It's so good. I cannot even imagine having your debut novel get turned into a film. Nope. That quickly. <laughs> right? That's got to be like jumping jacks in your stomach for days. And I'm just so happy for Angie and for her amazing work and all of the accolades that she's getting, which are well-deserved. Oh, yeah. But then again, how do you follow that up? That's so much pressure. Shh. We can talk about that later. <laughs> so some hub- husband cover takes. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, my husband, Jamal, <coughs> I asked him what he thought of the cover and he said the hate you give both internally and externally and then i also asked his friend henry jamal and henry are in a band called nightwork mm-hmm. henry said it's about tos- toxic masculinity and white supremacy and i think he only said that just because he knows that it's me <laughs> 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 and then i, I asked a final friend andy who is another um man that Jamal's in a band with <laughs> he's in multiple <laughs> bands with men and he said it's how women react when men approach them and harass them on the street am I right and again I feel like Andy <laughs> only said that issue. because it's me <laughs> so they were like 50 oh 50 shot here <laughs> what does Annie care about <laughs> well, books my husband didn't have a he just says oh it's obviously about racial issues like well yeah I guess that's the end of that discussion <laughs> Um, Garrett was a graphic design major in college. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. So he looks at the cover and he goes, okay, it's really bothering me that there's just so much white space. <laughs> like there should be a border around the sign because it looks like she has floating hands. <laughs> I can't get over it. And, um, I went to, um, 
an author event for Maggie Seafutter and her new book the other day. And SFFYA member Sahidi was there and I was telling her about Garrett's take on the cover. And she's like, it's too much white space is really the theme of the book, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I'm going to put that in the podcast. That's good. (laughs) For real, though. Yeah. So, yeah. I really like it. I love the cover. It doesn't give us much to work with when we want our husbands to give us some humorous takes. I don't think the border needs to be there. Like, you can clearly see where yeah. the line should be. And it's also shiny. The hardcover copy, the sign is shiny, but the rest is Oh, not. okay. Yeah, so if you look at the hardcover, for a long time I was only looking at the front, which is all white space. And the main character is black, and her skin is, like, really shiny. Her sign is shiny, too. And then the background is matte. Mm. But it took me a while when I first flipped it over. I was like, ah, oh, whatever. But then you flip it over and you realize, can you see that? Yeah. Yeah. The her friend that's killed is on the back and in his a black hoodie in a black hoodie. Mm-hmm. And his skin is also shiny, but it's the brown against the black mat. And mm-hmm. so, like, again, it's asking you to see what we can't see. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really well done. It's effective for sure. Yeah. So quick poll. Who who liked it? Who didn't? I don't know how you couldn't like this book. Yeah, I loved it. I loved it. And then I reread it recently and I loved it even more. I think you would have to be a cold hearted person who wasn't ready to see the humanity in the characters to dislike this book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's somebody out there, but uh, we're not them. But the Christian Science Monument recommends it. <laughs> Our appetizer is Hot Cheetos. And Big Mav's girl who work at the store. And I'm not sure if I have that down correctly. But this is a theme in the book that she doesn't have a name. <laughs> she's <laughs> Everyone knows her as Big Mav's girl that works at the store. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was such an effective way of talking about how when we're young people, before we really come into our own, we kind of are in the shadow of... Oh, yeah what our parents are and what we've been given. And I know that that's definitely something, I mean, we still, you still bring up and I still feel that way, but like your parents are lawyers. Like when I tell people Mm -hmm. that it's like, Oh, now I know something about you. Mm -hmm. Your parents are lawyers. Now I can know something about you. And so the fact that she's big mouth girl, like they know her because of that. Yeah. It also, to me, it kind of felt proprietary. Like you belong to your father. Mm. Um, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, I know he's well known around the community, but I don't know. It kind of, it rankled. Um, I mean, I don't know. I guess I saw it as more of like kind of helping the reader understand like how not necessarily close knit, but like how I guess entrenched like kind of certain figures in the community are. So like Big Mav, like everybody knows Big Mav. So, oh, it's Big Mav's daughter who works at the store. So (laughs) I don't think it was meant to, like she took it as like a, you know, I have a name, but like I think it's just like a way of like saying, oh yeah, we we know your dad and like we respect him. Shorthand. You're you're cool because you're with him kind of thing. (laughs) Like, I don't know. Yeah, it's community context. Yeah. Yeah. My family didn't really have a lot of people that we were friends with as young people my parents because they were lawyers kind of like kept to themselves and like really only talked to lawyers but I know from my husband's Jamal's conversation and just like learning about how he grew up like the whole context of how he grew up is who he's related to right and like he's a Jackson he's a Parks the two big families in Jacksonville Florida 
you're a Parks or a Jackson, if you're in one of those families, you're related to like this whole group of people. Like I met someone else in kickball who who said, oh, your husband's from Florida or Jacksonville, like which family? And then I was like, oh, it's this family. He's like, oh, well, my cousin's this person. They know this person. Like, it literally was like, how do we know each other through that extended mm-hmm. family? So that's that's why it made sense to me. My mom is from uh, the Midwest. And so, like, whenever we would be back there, like, and uh, my grandma would drag us to church. <laughs> um, like, that's how everybody knew me. It was like, oh, you're, you know, mom's name's daughter or whatever. Yeah. So it's just kind of like a way to place you kind of but not in like a boxing you in way it's just like oh like i know you this is how the adults know you (laughs) right yeah (laughs) i guess now that you said that church that's the same with my mom's family too it's like through the church if if you were once i told people in friday harbor which is a really tiny town in san juan island which is a really tiny island in washington state like if you're a dightman oh they know the dightmans like clifford dightman rode his horse in the (laughs) parade every year until he died (laughs) you know so like that's the placing you in the in the community context yeah Yeah. and it's a really good way to introduce the character Mm -hmm. and and it's also a really good like YA way because she hasn't come into her own yet right yeah I like that so main course rib plate oh my god I love rib plates (laughs) (laughs) yes oh the food in this book ah Except for golden Oreos, which we'll get to later. Blah. But, uh, yeah. Mm, I have a dream where I can go and buy a rib plate. It's not something that, like, it's very (laughs) specific, and there's not a lot of that out in the Bay Area. No, we don't have good barbecue here. Yeah, it's a complaint that Jamal makes on the regular, which is why (laughs) he makes his own barbecue. But specifically, ribs are one of my Mm. favorite things. We are going to jump right into the main topic of this book, which is police brutality in YA and beyond. And the question is, have we seen this addressed quite so well anywhere else? I haven't. I haven't. I have a book. I haven't read it, though, so I can't attest to it. But it's called um, How It Went Down. And the author's name is Kekla Magoon. Oh, I've heard good things about that. Yeah. But I haven't read it either. It's kind of like... I mean, same topic, like there's, you know, an unarmed black man is shot, but it's written in verse, I think, mm. maybe, I might be wrong on that, but it's written from, like, each chapter is from the perspective of a different person in the neighborhood or whatever, um, so it's been, like, on my kind of back burner to read list, so I don't know that I can compare it to this, but I mean, it definitely hasn't received anywhere near as much, <laughs> yeah. you know, accolade, pr- publicity, so... We've got um, All American Boys by Brendan Keeley and Jason Reynolds coming up, and that's, that's kind of the same. Well, that theme. one's about like the girl who was raped. At a no, no, am I, I thinking think of something else? <laughs> no, I, I think it's I think it's about pol- police Okay, maybe brutality. I'm thinking of another book. I haven't read that yet either, but um, it does seem to be a topic that's coming up. Wait, more I have the internet. I can find out. <laughs> Well, I think it's interesting. How long does it take YA and other culture to catch up with what's happening? Well, Trayvon Martin died, what, five years ago? Longer than that, right? What was Oscar Grant? Wasn't Oscar Grant? Oscar Grant was when I was still in law school. So, uh, before 2010. Yeah. Probably 2009, 2010. And I think that's, I think it's definitely not, it's before 2010. And I think that 
oh. is really real for the Bay Area because it did happen in Oakland, like not even that far away from where we're sitting right now. Yep. Okay. I was wrong. I, I think there's another book that was based on like the Steubenville. Mm. And I think I was oh, thinking of that. Um, there's oh. a book based on Steubenville. Oof. Yes. I read it. It's, it's good. What we saw. Okay. What we saw. Yes. By Aaron Hartzler, I think. Yeah. So yeah, all American boys is about. Uh, yeah, a cop who shoots an unarmed black kid, and um, there's witnesses, and let's see. It's a. Uh, I'm not gonna read the whole thing, but. Two teens, one black, one white, grapple with the repercussions of a single violent act that leaves their school, their community, and ultimately the country bitterly divided by racial tension. Mm. So, wait, wait, ultimately the country? I mean, isn't that where we're coming from? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. So, like, I, I think one is maybe like related to the cop or something, and that's uh. why like people, but they're on the same basketball team, and then people are taking sides, and it's like a whole thing. So. Yeah, I guess we'll find out later when we talk about this. Find book. out more. <laughs> Probably see that I was like what way was off the mark or something. What did LeVar Burton used to say? Read this book, the like why uh, You the don't have to take my you word don't for it. Take <laughs> my word <Yeah>. for it. <laughs> I um, love you, LeVar. <laughs> I, I love reading Rainbow. Yeah. He has a podcast. <laughs> LeVar Burton reads. Oh, really? Yeah, Aww. I haven't listened to it yet, but I've heard amazing things where he like he reads stories like Aww. it's like <laughs> Yeah, just like random short stories or whatever. Sounds very comforting. That's yeah, really it's cool. kind of. I think he 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 made a reference to reading Rainbow in it, and then like the reading Rainbow people like tried to sue him or something oh. about it for like oh. using the name. It was a whole thing, <laughs> but I've heard the podcast is good. I mean, who wouldn't want Lavar Burton reading to them? Well, Does he do it monster. with the Jordy glasses on? That's my actual question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. We don't need crossover like that, or that <laughs> maybe we do. Only in my fantasy. Of course, we do. But my point here was that, like, how long does it take YA or the media to get on the train of what's been happening? Because this has been happening, Mm -hmm. you know, and yeah. And the thing is, we still have people in denial. (laughs) So, (laughs) you know, like how much truth or does it take fiction or does it does it take a compelling movie like this to get people who are so in denial to actually come to terms with it or are they still going to be like that's not a thing i think it's going to help but i remember seeing that angie thomas uh, she tweeted about uh there was some sort of pitch there's always you know like pitch wars and baby Mm. pitch and that sort of thing and she tweeted and asked is anybody interested in a black lives matter book or is it too I can't remember if she said like it too, too charged or uh, right. too heavy, but s- somebody said yes, and then there was I, from what I understand anyway, and I could be wrong, I could be mis- misremembering, but there was a uh, you know multi houses, you know trying to trying to bid on this book, and obviously it's been a phenomenon ever since it was released. It's it's quite a book. <laughs> And it spawned one of the best detective stories that Twitter has ever told. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the the other book oh, that oh, tried oh. to become... On the New York bestseller uh, that yeah. nobody had ever heard of. Yeah. Still one of my favorite stories. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, w- that that is the gift that keeps on giving. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, but I just wonder, like, because other stuff happens more quickly, I think. Like, I, I think people jump on the bandwagon really quickly with other things. Uh, it's taken a while for us to have this come out and to be so well received. But we're also in this place in time where black people and specifically black women are having an elevated voice. Yeah. Even in this whole Twitter ban thing that's been going on, you know, just like the intersectionality of how we talk about what's happening in this country. The note here says, obviously there's a need for this since it's a very real factor in POC, people of color, students' lives, and often white students don't believe it happens because parents, it doesn't happen to them, etc. Yeah. I just, I'm at this place now, and maybe it's, maybe it's because I have a more open mind, but I'm at this place now where, like, if you are denying that something happens, that's about you, you know, <laughs> like, that, that's, that is about you and your internal need for justification and well it can never happen to me because you know you know and then they then all of the justifications that people provide is just like the you know women wearing short skirts oh or God. asking for it <laughs> i think it uh, i think it truly is well this can't happen to me because you know th- and then they project bad qualities onto whomever is being targeted yeah i've had some um really interesting conversations with my husband um he's white for example, just things that like my parents like taught me when I was little that like he wouldn't have to worry about. Like, you know, my mom always said, like, when you're in a store, like never keep your hands in your pockets because people will automatically assume you're stealing. You know, even now, like if I, you know, because I'm trying to be environmentally conscious, if I buy like a couple things and I say I don't need a bag, like I always have my receipt like right on top where it's very visible, like when I walk out so that no one gets ideas. I do that too, but my husband, you know, just tosses his receipt yeah. and walks out with all the confidence of a white man. Yeah. The thing is though, like and going back to like the whole internet inter internet intersectionality. <laughs> um, like the black stuff, like Garrett sees. The woman stuff he doesn't because guys don't do it when you're with another guy. Right. Yeah, so oh like yeah. I think that took like longer for him to process that like street harassment happens to me all the fucking time it never happens when i'm with you right like so i tell him about it every time it happens just to like kind of cement the idea that like how often it really happens so it's like oh hey how's your day oh like some creep like wolf whistled at me when i was like walking home from bar or whatever or this and that like so i'm like i'm not trying to make you uncomfortable i'm not trying to piss you off i just want you to know it happens all the time but it is harder for people who like don't experience it personally to to see it. Yeah. I got into this Facebook conversation mess with a um, person that I went to elementary school through high school with, and he's not white. And he had a situation happen where the cops ran up on him while he was in his car parked in his driveway. And he put on Facebook, like, oh, my God, I've never been so scared in my life. And it was my own house and blah, blah, blah. And then it was just a de-evolution of white men commenting on, like, oh. black people commit more crime. And, oh. like, this and that. <laughs> and I, and uh, oh. I tried to, like, put in a few, drop a little bit of hints here and there and just 
you know, everyone's like, oh, of course, it's just racism. And I'm like, actually, it's intersectionality. And then uh, my friend came out and he was like, well, Annie, haven't he basically was like, haven't had an intellectual conversation about this in a long time. Thanks for using the word effectively correctly, <laughs> you know, oh. like, and all this stuff. And I was just like, ooh, I'm just barking up the wrong tree with this audience. These people don't actually want to have a conversation uh, that, like, broadens their minds. I was thinking about, like, this just a few minutes ago when, you know, we were talking about if this book is going to, you know, help open people's minds. And I'm like, I I honestly think the people who are reading it are not the people who need to read it. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know if its popularity is going to change that. It's being assigned in, in high school classes, though. That is good. And I think, uh, honestly, I think teenagers are the right people to, I don't know where, uh, but but I think teenagers are at the right age that this could move them. Right, and mm-hmm. change a concept. Yeah. For real. I, I hear what you're saying, Britt, but at the same time, I think we also need to see ourselves in our stories. So Yeah, absolutely. The people that learn, maybe someone who needs to learn wouldn't pick up this book, but someone who's like never seen a oh black yeah person in a story Absolutely. like picks this up because of that you yeah know? yeah again this cover i love because it represents the people in the story like yeah. she's wearing the sneakers and she's i don't know like all of it i'm like yes she is this a black is girl. the character but it's also <laughs> the character you right. know mm-hmm. there are different types of black girls just like there are different types of white girls you know like but this is our character so i think that holistic vision is really nice yeah and important. I don't know if anybody who writes YA <laughs> ever listens to this or ever will, but I think it's important to have through lines from your cover to your story. Oh, yeah. Because if your cover is a girl in a dress, that's not <laughs> what this story is about, you know? Yeah, don't winner's curse. I was like just going to say, like, <laughs> I would not have picked up that book in a million years if I didn't already know, like, that you loved it yeah. and you're like no, no no the girl in the dress is like a total anomaly i wouldn't have <laughs> picked it up if mandy wan hadn't told me right because it's just like oh this is amazing. another selection yep <laughs> i still didn't like that series i haven't read the other the rest of the series it's i know good. you're an outlier <laughs> i am planning on it <laughs> but god i really didn't like her at all anyway okay so for you <laughs> it's the winner's curse for jenny it's six of crows for me it's dumpling i'm sorry yeah uh, <laughs> She's not a likable character. She really isn't. No. <laughs> I hear you. Dolly Parton drag queens. <laughs> <laughs> Again, great anomaly like scene in a story that you may not otherwise like. Yeah. True. Our next bullet point on here is protesting at school. So at one point in the story, <laughs> after... Khalil. Thank you. Khalil has been killed. There is a protest... God, I should have looked up character names. I'm so bad with names, by the way. <laughs> People out there, I may not remember your name. Um, Hi, I'm Jenny. Yeah. <laughs> what is our main character? Star. Star, Star thank you. So Star goes to the white affluent high school. And after Khalil, Khalil is killed, her high school organizes a protest. But she finds out that the reason they're organizing <laughs> a protest is to get out of school. So fucked up. Fucked up, but also such a teenager oh thing yeah. to do. Oh, for real. I, I mean, I went to the WTO protest in Seattle to get out of school. Also to march in the Union March, but mainly to get out of school. So yeah, totally understand where that's coming from. But clearly Star does not like that. I don't know. I don't think I've been 
in a school since there's been a situation like this. Definitely done some things um, at work where I've left to participate in some sort of protest or, uh, or action. I also work for city government. I'm not allowed to do political things on work time. Mm. But we have a teacher and we have, have you, you haven't been in school or anything like that. <laughs> Sorry. No, I, I sprung from my, the top of my father's head fully formed. And that fully is still educated. my favorite. <laughs> that is still my favorite origin story. Um, <laughs> but Britt, do you ever have that happen at your school where there's protests or actions or anything that the school does as a group? Um, we had, yeah. Um, I teach in Berkeley, which is very, very liberal. Um, so you don't say sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, where are your Birkenstocks? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have had like uh, like rallies, I guess. Um, like before school in the morning, we did one for like women's rights, and a bunch of the teachers made signs, and like a bunch of the students and parents joined us, which was really cool. And I know that there have been a couple others, and in our district, um, we are allowed to take like time off to participate in political action. Oh, that's um, cool. Yeah. That's definitely a Berkeley thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. like, teachers, you know, at my school have, like, Black Lives Matter posters, and we support the immigrant family. You know, whatever. It's very, very open and very welcoming. And I just, I can't imagine, like, at my last school being allowed to, like, have a Black Lives Matter poster. <laughs> <laughs> but I just, I can really relate to Star at this white-ass, <laughs> rich-ass, like, preppy <laughs> private school. <laughs> Because, like, I went to one of those, and there is that, like, I guess we'll, t- I think one of the things later on this list is the code switching, so yes. I'll get to that later. But one of my really good friends from high school started the first Gay-Straight Alliance at my high school, and the principal at the time was against it, so she had to get um, a petition and a certain amount of signatures and, like, some faculty support. So, like, she basically single-handedly, like, with her passion and her drive, like, started the school's first GSA. Wow. And, like, got enough signatures and all that. And so um, I was a member. Um, It was mostly, like, kind of our core group of friends who were, like, supporting her and everything. And one of the things that we did was the Day of Silence, which now, like, they do it every year. And the GSA has expanded. And it's, like, you know, Mm -hmm. a thing. But, like, we were, like, the first group to do that. And so we had to, like, kind of explain to the teachers ahead of time, like, this is why we're doing this. You know, it's really important to us. Like, please respect, like, our wishes to not speak or whatever and we made badges that said like mm. i am participating in the day of silence like my silence is i forgot what it says um my silence is to you know represent those who are being silenced or whatever and when a bunch of kids like saw what we were doing they joined in not out of solidarity mm. because they were like oh sweet i don't have to raise my hand in class <laughs> so it's like the same shit and like those are the same kids who would turn around and say that's so gay in the hallways and it just like was so infuriating so i i get that like in this book about all the people who are just like oh sweet protest let's get out of class like it's just it's there's so many ways you can get out of class why do you need to co-opt that way yeah it's well because they're 14 15 16 17 and they think that this will never happen to them so yay let's get out of class guys yeah Mm. teenagers are insensitive (laughs) yes (laughs) our one of the other items on here is humiliation of being frisked 
for weapons singled out by cops. And there is a moment on page 192 where Maverick is forced to get down on the ground in front of his children as the cops intervene in an argument. That was hard to read. Yeah. He treats the cops like they're wild animals who might bite. He says, I'm going to reach for my ID. Daddy says, it's in my back pocket. All right. And this is, these are things that like, yeah, I learned from like a very young age. It's like, do whatever the cop tells you. Keep your hands in plain sight. If you need to move your hand, explain exactly what you're doing because they're going to think you have a gun. (laughs) Or even if you, I mean, again, I'm so fucking bad with names, but the guy in Minnesota who said, I am reaching for my wallet. Philando Castillo. Castillo. I have a weapon. He said what he was going to do and they still shot him. Right. He's like, it's licensed. It's legal. Like somebody who was about to shoot a cop wouldn't announce that they had a fucking gun. Like they just (laughs) shoot the cop. You wouldn't have a moment to shoot that person. That's not what would happen. Yeah. I I mean, I get it. I, knock on wood, have been lucky that I've never been pulled over. But, like, if I'm driving or whatever and I see a cop car, like, I tense up and I just, like, just get this, like, rush of anxiety. And it's not because I'm doing anything wrong. I drive like a fucking grandma. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> like, it's... You know, so it's not like, oh, well, if you didn't have anything to hide, then you wouldn't, you know, be so nervous. It, that's yeah. not true. It's just like, no. oh, my God. And I go through everything in my head. Like, what do I do if I get pulled over? I need to like and also being a woman. Right. Yeah. Because like and something my mom like taught me, like always make sure that you, you know, you can keep driving like slowly. Like they're not going to like think you're on a chase or whatever. Make sure you pull into like a well-lit area where yeah. there's other people around. Yes. Like, <laughs> and I just. Oh. Yeah, so I, I I get that that's like I have that fear like every time um I'm like driving and I see a police vehicle. When um I had jury duty recently and I was walking to the courthouse and I saw a police officer walking and I went out of my way to ask him for directions and I explained like I have jury duty, could you show me like the way I knew where it was. I just I felt this need to like show him that like not all black people are scary. Mm. So I was like, I'm just going to go out of my way to like be polite and ask this officer a question. I said, excuse me, officer. Like I was very like, you know, whatever. And he was really nice. And I just went away thinking like, I hope like that sticks Mm. the next time he has to like pull over a black person that like, they're not all bad. You know, I don't know. Just like. (laughs) I used to work in police misconduct in the city of San Francisco. And the good news is, is that in a police force of over 2000 cops, uh, you keep seeing the same names come up over and over and over again. And, but those are, <laughs> they're the bad ones. So, and uh, mind you, this was ten, seven, seven years ago, more. But yeah, you know, I didn't understand that when I was living in the Central Valley, which is predominantly white and, uh, well, predominantly white and Hispanic. I yeah I had no clue I didn't know that was a thing until I started working in police misconduct and then all of a sudden you know it literally the cases that that I looked over were like were like this book and it, it just it blew my mind like I knew that this was out there I- intellectually but then seeing it seeing it happen you know it, even in just in case files was mind-blowing and then you know I went on to become a criminal defense lawyer and it just it just happens over and over and over and over and it's overwhelming and disheartening and I don't have to live that I can't imagine what it's like for people who do I probably 
am a little bit of an anomaly with my defense attorney parents. I've <laughs> always not trusted the cops. <laughs> <laughs> but not because of race. Just because cops are figures of authority. <laughs> and they are essentially, like, my parents are anti-joiners. I don't know. I don't know how to describe this, but like my dad always hated Greek life. He always talked about he. Uh, they met at the University of Washington Law School, and one of their his critiques was that the frats ran the school, yeah. and that that wasn't okay, and that kind of got put onto the cops. Like the cops are basically frats, except like they have more authority and, and more guns. <laughs> and but that it's the same type of culture where. It yeah, actually, no. Women and people of color are devalued, and it's an old boys club. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. I didn't even think about that. And, the, you know, the whole the thin blue line and yeah. all of that. Uh, oh, God, it is like a frat. And yeah. here in San Francisco, they they all mostly come from two Catholic prep schools in the city. And, and I, I used to have a friend in law school whose entire family were cops, and she was the only lawyer. <laughs> oh, jeez. That's a choice. It (laughs) certainly was. Um, Whenever we were around her father or brother or mother, you know, and they were meeting other people, they'd be, oh, yeah, which school did you go to? Did you go to, uh, I can't even remember the names now. St. Ignatius is one of them. Yep. Yep. I I think Sacred Heart, maybe. Oh, yeah. That would make sense. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it is. It's just, it's, it's kind of like when two SF natives get together and they're like, oh yeah, well, where'd you go to school? Oh, that's such a St. Louis thing too. My (laughs) husband's from St. Louis. It is the number (laughs) one question. Where'd you go to high school? Because like instantly, you know, like everything about that person. (laughs) (laughs) St. Louis is still such a segregated city. Oh, yeah. Like, and that's part of it too. Like, yeah. St. Louis is extremely segregated. And also, isn't that the one that has the highest rate of police brutality that was where mike brown was murdered and then um recently i can't remember the name um i think it happened a while ago but then the verdict came out recently where the yeah where the cop was not charged surprise surprise there were like yeah i was i was in st louis like right after that happened um yeah but yeah, so we we weren't, like, in the midst of anything, but, like, Garrett was talking about, like, oh, I hope, like, our flight's not delayed, like, <laughs> they're planning to, like, you know, protest at the airport or whatever, and I'm like, I hope it is, like, I mean, not that I want to miss your friend's wedding, <laughs> but, like, that's the point of a protest, is yeah. to, like, stir shit up and make you, it's make supposed to make, attention. it's yeah. supposed to interrupt your it's supposed to interrupt life, because like, somebody else lost <laughs> their life. Right, it's yeah. supposed to be inconvenient for yeah. you, like, but nothing happened, I was like, slightly disappointed <laughs> yeah there's all those where people get <coughs> upset when people get in the transit ways and they right. interrupt freeways or they interrupt bar the or whatever like, it's like transit. you're not listening to me so i'm yeah. going to like yeah. make you <laughs> you must look at us you must right. look at this all right let's then talk about code switching. let's talk about code switching you wanted to bring this up right you want to start us off sure <laughs> well, why don't we define code switching yes code switching is Kind of like when you, I guess, change the way that you speak or act or your demeanor, depending on who you're with, what yeah. what situation you're in, um, where you are, your audience. Yeah, so I could relate to a lot of a lot of what Star had to do as like one of the only black kids at at her like preppy private school or whatever. One of the things <laughs> that struck me was like how uh, what's her friend's name? Maya. Yes, Maya. 
Maya is yeah. the Asian one, sorry. Right, and she's <laughs> dating, like, the other black person, yes. the other black guy, and uh, and they jokingly called each other, like, black boyfriend and black girlfriend because everybody thought, just assumed they should be yeah. together because they're black. Like, <laughs> uh, like at my school, we had um, we had a graduating class of about 120. Ooh, that's tiny. Yeah, and then there were maybe, maybe 10 black kids, maybe. And most of us hung out together. <laughs> And people are like, why are all the black kids sitting together? And we were all just like, well, why do all the white kids sit together? <laughs> like, <laughs> I like you kind of sometimes do it intuitively, like kind of without necessarily consciously thinking, OK, I have to be this person now. You kind of just slip into, you know, the mannerisms or whatever that like, I don't know. It's hard to explain. But the book does a really good job of it. Yeah. Like what people... Her language choices are one right. of the obvious right. ones. It's yeah. like what you don't want people to think of you as like the stereotype, right? So you like change the way that you talk or act or whatever versus like when you're at home in your community with your friends from the neighborhood, you can just like be more of yourself. But even then she's kind of caught in this this middle because like some of her friends from back in the neighborhood are like, oh, you go to that fancy white school, like you're too cool for us now, whatever. <laughs> And then, like, the white kids are like, oh, you're the ghetto black girl, you know. So, I, yeah, I just, I definitely really relate to, like, being caught in the middle. I've been in, called an Oreo so many times. And it's oh. always other black people. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Um, Do which they try I to take your black card? <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For those of you who don't know, uh, a white teacher that I used to work with said that to me once. Because I didn't know a movie reference that she was talking about. And she was like, I'm going to take away your black card, girlfriend. <laughs> and I'm just like, you teach black kids. Like, what are you doing? Like, do you talk to your kids this way? Do you reduce them to like this stereotype? Because like that was you her shouldn't. code switch. She was trying to be cool. Yeah, no. And it fell flat. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah. Well, it's like that debate that that's going on on Twitter about you know using black people in reaction gifts. Ah, uh, yes. Mm. And uh, I s- read a really interesting article about that being akin to minstrelsy. Which I would agree, like some people definitely, you know, use it because, haha, black people are so funny. And I say this with visible quotation marks. What did you, did you, did you call her on that? Or like, I was too stunned. I'm, I'm, I'm like Meg Ryan and you've got male who's always like, I can never think of the (laughs) the thing to say in the moment. And then like, I realize it later. And then I want to go back and say, I'm that person. I can never like yes react to the moment i have anxiety i don't know if that, that's probably part of it i just like freeze and i'm like uh and then it takes a while to like process and be like i should have said this well also if you haven't practiced it for me if i again i practice things in my head so that i'll be able to do it yes. in real life mm-hmm. also alcohol helps that helps too it does. loosens the tongue yeah it takes away my filter i had a recent <laughs> street harassment experience where this man First off, started to try to talk to me like a person and was like, oh, it was by a homeless encampment in Oakland. And he said, oh, someone should feed these people. And at first I thought he meant like, you should feed these people like I should feed these people. And I was walking back from lunch. It was my day off. I was just heading home. And I looked at him. I was like, oh, is that what you're doing? (laughs) Like, I don't know why you're telling me this. I was like, oh, (laughs) is that what you're doing? He's like, yeah, that's that. Totally. Then he looks at me. He stares right at my chest. And he's like oh, you're not wearing a bra. You have some really nice titties. <gasps> and I was like, and I had like thought about this in my head. You know, like I've had these experiences enough. I'm like, okay, what do I say when this happens? So I was like, is that really appropriate? 
And he was like, you should wear a bra. And I'm like, you don't have the right to say anything about my body. And he said, you should wear a bra, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> broken record. And at that point he was like getting into his car. It was really weird and creepy. He was like getting into his car. So I went up to him in the car and like <laughs> leaned into the window with my book, and I was carrying Secret of a Heart <laughs> Note at the time. <laughs> Stacy Lee gave me confidence. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, I didn't say you look like you haven't showered. <gasps> oh, yes. shit. Like, finally, like, I'd been waiting to use that line. Literally waiting oh. to use that line. And he was like, I've showered, and then drove <laughs> off. <laughs> I love how that was his only defense. And I was like, finally, I made a man feel small. At least I hope I diminished him a little bit. Yeah, some people need to code switch to politeness. Oh, Jesus. Or just like, men should just not talk to women, period. Yeah. Unless I've given you permission. But it's like, there's no way that you can win because you're always other, right? right. Like, I have a friend um, from Alabama <laughs> and uh, she still carries this from like elementary school when she went over to a white friend's house and like, you know, they had a play date or whatever. And the mom was just like, oh, wow. You're so well behaved, like oh surprised. Oh, geez. right. And it's like, no matter like how you know white or whatever we like try to act or like polite to fit in, like we're still like it's You're a surprise if we're not the stereotype no. or whatever. And then you go back to like your black community, and it's like, oh, you're bougie or you're an Oreo or whatever. So it's like you're just stuck in this middle between like a rock and hard place. Oh God. So, I just kind of like recently kind of started to embrace like my nerdiness because it's like well if I can't be either one I might as well just be me like I just recently started wearing my hair naturally I'm trying less to be one or the other and just be me it's hard <laughs> yeah I mean I think that's one of the things that comes through this book is that yeah she's never comfortable mm -hmm. she doesn't have a place where she's fully herself mm -hmm. and and those places where she wants to be herself are not safe. Right. I don't know what to say about that. I mean, that's the reality of the world we live in. There are so many children in our country that are not safe and are not in safe places and are not given the opportunity to be young and free. Mm. And that's part of why respectability politics is such bullshit. Because it's like, no, pulling up your pants is not going to make a cop like not shoot you <laughs> you can be a pro your football player in vegas and still have a cop profile you and right yeah <laughs> right yeah so like you know bill cosby's whole thing about like oh these young black men just need to pull up their pants and talk right or whatever uh. it's like that's bullshit because it's not gonna save you <laughs> like mm. it's not nope and the other part about the story that is even harder harder hitting home i think for me is that the first person she sees get shot is her her, yeah for when she's, she's nine i think yeah oh god i almost forgotten about that to witness a death when you're that young yeah i mean i don't think i've witnessed any sort of violence that up front you know i've never gotten blood spattered on me mm. from it from something like that and that she she's covered in it in this book and i think that is a visceral reality that should wake some folks up. <laughs> but yeah. I don't know. Well, if anything is going to, this book will. But, yeah, the, just the, like you said, the visceral nature of it and the, you know, the, the uncomfortableness of not being able to be who, who you really are. You know, even, even when you're trying to, quote, play by the rules. Be uh, in the code. Yeah, yeah. You know, 
be the be the right person for the community that you're currently in. Uh, do you guys do that? Yeah, all the time. <laughs> I, I I know you already said you did too, but uh. I am kind of a dick where I force people to be <laughs> in my reality. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not gonna play your game. Orbit around my son. Exactly. <laughs> I was like, it's more just like I can do that, but I have the privilege not to. Right. Like yeah. if I don't. I'm seen as the quirky one, you know, (laughs) like it's not, it's not, I'm not punished for it. Mm -hmm. I may not be accepted completely, but if you don't accept me for who I am, I don't want you. And I realized that is a way to filter people out of my life. Yeah. You know, I tried uh, for a long time. I tried. And I think at a a very young age, I realized no matter how hard I tried, I wasn't going to be part of the main group anyway. Like it was <laughs> for me, it wasn't race. It was class, clearly class from the beginning. And my mom felt it was not a part of the mother's group. That was from a different class, <laughs> blah, 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 whatever that played out as, as a young person. Still to this day, my parents really come from a working class background, even though we're more middle class now that same, that has always been something in my life. And so I was like, well, if I have to have Nike shoes in order to fit in, I'm never going to have Nike shoes. So I'm just going to make my own way yeah. in this world. <laughs> I was like, I got Reeboks. That's what <laughs> I got. <laughs> yeah. I got thrift store shoes. Yeah. Well, I, that, that makes it Hand sound really dire, but <laughs> I'm currently wearing Chucks that I've had since high school. <laughs> really? Since high since school? Since high school. <laughs> Holy crap. Those have held up. <laughs> I, I just store my shoes way faster. Star would be <laughs> cringing <laughs> at the state of my shoes. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> Which actually kind of goes right into the dessert. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can talk about that. Let's get it. Uh, the golden Oreos. Gross. I'm sorry. Do you like go- any of these? Are, no. are those the same as the inside out Oreos? No, they're, they're blonde vanilla. cookies. Like With white chocolate. cookies. Are they chocolate? No. Oh, am I thinking of inside out Oreos or uh-oh Oreos or something? I, I like the... The ones that are like the the blonde cookies with the chocolate inside. Okay. But blonde cookies with white cream is too much. Yeah. Why, <laughs> yeah I don't I know. That's not an Oreo. That's, that's an Oreo. Yeah, <laughs> apparently. Uh. But yeah, sorry, you're wrong, Angie Thomas. Didn't Those she are like disgusting. say something to Becky Albertelli in the <laughs> author's Maybe. note about it? Because like, yeah, yes, like oh, and yeah, because they're they're ins- friends, as yeah. I understand, and yeah, yeah, golden Oreos are the only type of Oreos. Sorry, Becky, or something, <laughs> something like that. I mean, wait, I yes, can find that's it. definitely in there. <laughs> wrong. So uh, but as Angie Thomas and Britt used the term sneakerhead, which is probably the more appropriate <laughs> term, I said shoe game, which is. The thing that I played at my wedding. (laughs) 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 Where you like, hold, like, you have the, uh, your bridesmaids, groomsmen, or whatever. Yes. You take one of each other's shoes and they ask a question and you hold up the shoe, your shoe, if if you think it applies to you. Yes. Okay. But you're back to back, so you can't see each other. (laughs) Like, that's what I first thought when you said the shoe game. And I'm like, I don't remember that (laughs) in this book. (laughs) I was thinking shoe game, like any type of game. Right. That that makes sense. Whatever. (laughs) I also use terms inappropriately all the time again because <laughs> i don't care what the world's doing i'm gonna do it my way it makes sense uh, welcome to, me. to book plate <laughs> where annie doesn't care what the world's doing <laughs> i married a man who has a shoe cleaning kit which i didn't know existed until jamal bought it and i <laughs> he was like i can't he was like i can't do that i gotta clean my shoes and i was like how long does that take and then i was looking at the entire production and i was like whoa I did not know this existed until this book. Yeah, my brother's really into his shoes. He has way more shoes than I ever will. 
I I hate shoe shopping. I've just always found it like awkward. I will find a pair of shoes I like and wear them until they collapse, which is again why I'm wearing like I don't understand. Like shoes. you just must not walk very hard. <laughs> I must walk really hard. I don't know. I shuffle in a weird kind of way. Like I kind of drag my like heels a little bit. Garrett's always making fun of my shuffle. Because I had a pair of checks that I wore out in like nine months and i was like these are worthless and i had to move on i to have another pair that still have like the doodles that i drew on them when i was bored in like biology oh. that is ninth grade. <laughs> found the oreo quote in Yay. the author's note she wrote team double stuff becky albertalli stephanie sloma and nick stone you ladies may have questionable taste in oreos but there's no question that i love you <laughs> so cute but also gross gross Oreos are gross. All of them. Really? Well, I loved them as a child. I don't mm. eat them now. Yeah. They're good with like milk. You have to eat them with milk. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. I don't like milk either. Just in baking. <laughs> There's a lot of things you want to <laughs> list. <laughs> Would you buy Nikes for your baby? No. No. Baby Jordans? I'm mad no. when like babies and little kids have like really cute designer shit. Like, oh my God. Wha- but they're old so enough to cute. appreciate it. I know. And they look so cute in it. Well, it's, f- <laughs> it's for the parents. Of course it is. Obviously. Yeah. I, I do love baby chucks. Oh God. They are adorable. cuter. Oh, they're so cute. <laughs> uh, they don't need arch support at that age. <laughs> no. I'm just going to swaddle my baby in fabric scraps. <laughs> like, it's a baby. Like, my oh, mom slept in a dresser she's for a ba- she's before for they had a crib. Yeah, no. yeah, because my mom, like my grandma, was um, <laughs> like really sick when she was pregnant with my mom, and like she didn't like want to have an abortion, even though like the doctors pretty much said like you and the baby will die. Oh my goodness. if you carry this baby to term. So like they were prepared for like the end or whatever. So they didn't have any baby stuff, and then they both made it through. So she slept in like a dresser drawer for like the first <laughs> week of her life till my grandma and grandpa bought a crib and she still has that dresser and that's the only reason that she hasn't thrown it out because <laughs> it was her first bed it's like thumbelina <laughs> oh God. Uh, i think it's time for drinks yes 40 ounces there's actually a character it's called 40 ounces. it's it's 40 ounces <laughs> well, it's, it's f-o apostrophe t-y thank you <laughs> <coughs> obviously my code switching isn't good enough <laughs> well we are very white so true it's okay i forgive you <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'll try oh to man. do better. All of my white guilt just went, thank you, friend. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> um, drinks. Parents who like to get down. Oh, God. <laughs> I love Star's parents. That was the comic relief that this book so desperately needed. It was such a heavy subject. <laughs> I loved everything about them. I love that they didn't give a shit that their kids were just <laughs> like, oh my God, they're banging again. <laughs> I love that the kids know that when there's certain music, right, that's like, it's oh. time to get down. <laughs> oh God, it was funny. Jodeci. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But go uh. figure. What an age appropriate choice too. Because <laughs> I also realized that her parents are probably like our age. Yeah, I think so, because they were younger, and then, um, I think, wasn't, like, Khalil was the one who told her, like, the acronym for, you know, Thug Life or whatever. Right. Yeah. But But her dad explained. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he was, like, must have been, like, you know, 90s was, like, his music era. Jodeci. Whereas, like, Mm. yeah. (laughs) They're not older than 40, Todd. No, no. They're definitely in their 30s. I was thinking 35, 36. God, that's great. Um, (laughs) 
I love that they have like two things going on. It's like the TV and the music. It's the cross, <laughs> the cross sound, the combination, so that the other sounds are lost. <laughs> yeah, but they're not. <laughs> Yikes! Oh yeah. So glad that my parents weren't affectionate in that way. <laughs> that is one of the questions on here. Did yeah. you guys have that? Oh my god! Ew! Awareness <laughs> of your parents having sex. I don't think I ever heard them. Although I think I may have imagined it or may have heard them very, very quietly. Like we were close. Our our bedrooms were all around each other. But what I did find when I was young is I loved <laughs> wearing my dad's clothes. So I would go through his drawers and I found the condoms in the sock drawer. Oh. As a young person, and like didn't know what they were, and I remember, oh yeah, opening up the package <laughs> yes, and being like, I "This is too. slimy." I did like, that too. <laughs> you know, this is lubricated. I like didn't know what it was. I was like, "Ew, this feels weird." <laughs> it's weird I don't understand. And then, and then I was like, oh, "No one's coming, right?" <laughs> like, where do I throw this away? I I did that too, and I threw it in the garbage can at my grandmother's house, and my mother Uh-oh. was like, um did you go through my overnight bag? And I'm like, no. <laughs> Why would you think that? I, I mean, I'm glad that that was her first assumption and that not that either you or grandma like hadn't used the condom. <laughs> oh, <dear. laughs> and that's why it was in the trash. Oh, dear. <laughs> oh, I just remember like my, my biggest, Oh my God. Ew moment was when my mother explained the mechanics of sex. Oh, or actually the Kotex video explained the mechanics of sex. That was a, Yes, I was homeschooled and oh, right. mom outsourced <laughs> outsourced sex ed to the Kotex video, which is probably good because I didn't have to look anybody in the eye. But after I found out how sex worked, I was like, oh, my God, my father did what to my mother? Oh, oh, geez. Oh, God. Yeah. And then I just remember like looking around at everybody that walked by and like that person has probably had sex. That person has probably <laughs> had sex. Ew. <laughs> Um, my little brother one time, I guess, was acting a fool and my mom had (laughs) confiscated his phone or something, or maybe it was like a PlayStation controller so he couldn't (laughs) play it. And they were out one time. And so he went like snooping around the room to try and find it. And he found like a box of condoms in a drawer. And he like told me about it later. And he was just like horrified. He was like, it was a box. (laughs) A whole box. Yeah. (laughs) But I have a worse story. Yes. (laughs) Um, I was house sitting for my dad and his girlfriend one time <laughs> and taking care of their dog while they were away for a weekend. And my dad's girlfriend was white. And I had invited a friend to hang out with me for the weekend, watch the dog. Like we would just chill, watch movies, whatever, just for some company. And we were going through my dad's movie collection. Oh, no. <laughs> and right there in plain sight, on the shelf with all the other normal DVDs that are actual movies. Oh no. Was one called Black Dicks with White Chicks. Oh, <laughs> oh no. And I I <laughs> I was like so this happened. So <laughs> my friend and I just cracked up about it for like several several <laughs> minutes, maybe hours, I don't know. And we debated, like, should we put it back where it was? Should we, like, 
leave it out so he knows we found it like put oh, it in no. the dvd player so that when he comes home like that's what he sees like make it obvious that like why the, why would you just put it among like your other movies like out in plain sight maybe they just were watching it so yes. i texted my brother I and i didn't say anything because he knew i was house sitting that weekend so i just all i did was text him a picture of the cover <laughs> and he was apparently in the library like at school at college like studying for like <laughs> some kind of final he calls me back like about two minutes later and was like i just got kicked out of the library <laughs> Because I, I just burst into like laughter when I saw this. I was just like, yep. <laughs> that happened. Wow. <laughs> I never did tell my dad that I found it. I'm like, how do you even... No, I don't want to have that conversation. Nope. Like, what am I going to watch tonight? The importance of being earnest? Bad Santa? No. Black chicks and white chicks. <laughs> God. Oh. We have one. I think we have one last topic if we want to cover it, or we can end. But the last one on here is blended families. Jenny put this on here. Usually, we get a lot of step families or step siblings created by affairs where the parent later marries them. But this might be the first time where we've seen raising someone else's child, ex girlfriend, etc. So bluntly. Yeah, I've never seen that issue addressed so bluntly. Have you guys in YA? I don't think so. I think the only, like, the closest thing is probably, like, when one single parent marries another single parent, and then the kids yeah. are, like, step-siblings kind of thing. This is the story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm used to, the, like, the, the Sarah Dessen train of thought, where it's, you know, like, oh, you know, my parents split up, and then my dad had a baby with someone else, and now they're getting married. Mm-hmm. But I don't think I've ever seen... Like Lisa's raising Mav's love child. Yeah. And that'd be hard. <laughs> Usually yeah. in um fantasy style it's always pretend. Yeah. Like they raise Thumbelina, even though she's <laughs> clearly not their child. <laughs> but they <laughs> raise her the anyway. size of a th- Yeah, you know, it's that kind of thing. We're like, Well pretend it's ours. Um like Hercules and his human parents right? or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that's just another way this book f- deals with current reality mm-hmm. and blended families are they're very real yeah mm-hmm. pervasive yeah. not a thing that's like it's more an anomaly to have like a fully yeah. nuclear com- like nuclear family mom and dad yeah 2.5 kids and a dog exactly that's more rare these days yeah so i like that i i mean coming back to it the book the reality of the book is like you can taste it yeah like the it's rib so plate. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we a have a ribs. <laughs> we have a curriculum at my school specifically for like diversity and inclusion, and a lot of it is like um, accepting like LGBTQ kids, especially like dealing with gender nonconforming and trans students and bullying and things like that. But there's this one lesson that I did last year from it that I love um, that I'm going to do again, and it's about family diversity. So um, I showed the kids a picture of my family, which was like a picture from my wedding. So it was like me, Garrett, mom, brother, grandma, dad, and stepdad. My stepdad is Armenian. Um, My husband is white. Um, And so I just say like, this is my family. Like, who do you think everybody is? And like, just Mm. kind of have them like speculate and look. And then um, we talk about like, there's all different kinds of families, blah, blah. And then there's this activity where they um, get an envelope with pictures of, um, different people and they have to put them together they have to group them together into seven families but because of the number of pictures 
there is no way to make all like hetero mm. couples with kids. So like they have to think outside the box and be like, oh, maybe this is a single mom or maybe this is a couple that doesn't have kids or maybe there's oh, two dads cool. here. And like, it's really, it's really cool. That's a great lesson. Yeah. Because it doesn't even out in the end. Right. No. Yeah. Even if like, it's not sustainable, even for a little while, like eventually it'll change. Yeah. Actually, for all of the tragedy in this book, it really does have a happier ending some sort of re- resolution where you feel like people have moved forward and changed and become better yeah which that's my favorite part like we just did a book nobody really gets better like they kind of just like peter out into <laughs> oblivion but at least in this book even everyone learns from their challenges and except for Haley. well that bitch <sighs> i couldn't stand her like seriously the whole like get over it it was just a joke like about uh Uh, about maya eating a cat for thanksgiving that was so awful gross yeah you know i'm like oh like like, i don't want to see all this black stuff on my tumblr (laughs) (laughs) just like i well that's the friend you can drop for real i know too many haley's (laughs) yeah well again that's the person where like you show you show who you are you you are your true self they can't handle it you drop them they're not worth it they're not worth your time that's the kind of person I was thinking of, like, those are the people who need to read this book who aren't going to, mm. or who are going to read it and be like, ugh, that doesn't really happen, or something. You know? I don't know. Do you ever do that? Do you ever challenge people with books? I've tried. Yeah. It's hard. I've tried. Yeah. It's rare that I actually get people to read the book. If <laughs> they, I mean... Often they're not readers, which is also right. an issue. Oh, yeah. You can't, you can't really push books on non-readers. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I've tried. I do hang out when I go to bookstores. I hang out in the YA section and inevitably I will sell people books. <laughs> I don't work yeah, there. I've done that. <laughs> I'll look at people, uh, their selections and be like, oh, that's really good, but you don't want that book. <laughs> that is not good. And inevitably they'll, they'll be like, oh, really? Wow. Well, what do you recommend? And I'll be like, well, this one where I'm quoted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have I got some suggestions for you? What do you like? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I don't I don't think that the people who really need to read this will voluntarily pick it up. But I'm hoping that all the high schools that are putting it on their curriculum list. I mean, in my opinion, it's it's a modern classic. I've been recommending it to everybody. I bought Same. a copy of it for my brother for his birthday. That was last May. So, has he, <laughs> he read it? Not yet. Okay, he swears he's going to one of these days. He's not like a really avid reader, and he reads kind of like so not self help, but like inspirational memoirs. It's kind of like his <laughs> genre that he likes to read. So, but I'm like, you have to read this. His name is Brandon, right? Yeah, Brandon, read the book. <laughs> I have nothing left to say about this book except that it was fabulous, and I loved so it, good. and I'm really glad it was picked as a book club pick. Yes. Cheers, Angie Thomas. Thank you, Angie Thomas. Yes. <laughs> and thank you to our listeners. Yes, thank you to our listeners. Um, I hope we all do a movie outing for this one. Oh, yes. we're definitely going to. That needs to happen. Can't See wait. See you then. See you next month for When the Moon Was Ours by Anne-Marie McElmore. We try to plant something in the concrete, you know what I mean? If it grow. And the, and the rose petal got all kind of scratches and marks. You're not going to say, damn, look at all the scratches and marks on the rose that grew from the concrete. You're going to be like, damn, a rose grew from the concrete? Same thing with me, you know what I mean? I grew out of all this instead of saying, damn, he did this, he did this. Just be like, damn, he grew out of that. He came out of that. That's